Introducing the SD Podcast channel, your one stop source for all types of podcasts. We are always on the look for new podcasts to join our channel. If there is any topic you would like to discuss, contact us now. We can be reached on all social media such as Facebook, Twitter, and or Instagram. You can also contact us by email or leave us a voicemail at 516-570-9248. So make sure to contact us now so you can start your podcast soon. And now, a beauty production presents... The most awesome podcast to ever embrace a pair of headphones, Sarasso and the Beard. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Sarasso and Jose the Talking Beard Rivera. And welcome to Sarasso and the Beard Podcast, episode 40. I am Nick Sarasso. And I'm out of Talking Beard, Jose Rivera. And Jose, we got the NBA All-Star Game coming up soon. We've had this podcast that we will be doing our own draft. We have picked out which captain we'll be representing on it. Um with the swap in rounds. Uh, but before we get into that fun, Kyle Murray has made a decision. Kareem Hunt is on a new NFL team. Bryce and Machado, what a shot. They don't have a team still. I didn't think Kareem Hunt was going to get a team before Bryce and Machado. So it's been busy so far this week, and we're only on Monday. Yeah, it's kind of funny. We're at that lull period in sports where pitchers and catchers start to report. So usually teams are already assembled, yet we still have two giant free agents out there in baseball. You know, the Super Bowl just ended, so, you know, football season's kind of dwindling down. And usually you don't get this big of news, but we get a big signing in terms of Kareem Hunt. And then, you know, it's basketball all-star game period. So usually this is when sports is at its quietest, but really it hasn't been a typical Monday in the February of the sports world. Yeah, it's certainly. And uh, college basketball certainly been exciting for me as well. So I've been loving that. But let's start with Kyle Murray, who's made the big decision of choosing, surprise, surprise, the NFL. So he does not have an official team yet. Um, this is, I mean, it's extremely huge on the fact that he could be a, a first pick by the Arizona Cardinals. He would be the first player to go in the first round of both the MLB and the NFL if this was to happen, and we can assume he's probably going to go in the first round. But let's start about this. Do you like the decision that he's making choosing football over the MLB? You know what? I do. And this is a hard question to answer because, you know, neither one of us really knows Kyler Murray, and I feel like the decision has to be one that he has to make himself, right? Like, which one makes you happier? He's very good at baseball. He's very good at football. And I can give you reasons why he should have chose baseball over football. But honestly, what it comes down to is what does he love more? What's what's in his heart? And I feel like because all of this hesitation, this wouldn't have gone on for so long if Murray wasn't hesitating to want to play football. So I kind of knew from the start, the minute you heard rumblings of this, that he might declare for the draft or that he was having meetings with the A's and that he was leaning towards football. That's how you know. Because obviously, if he really wanted to play baseball – He would have said it from the start. He wouldn't have even declared for the draft. I understand trying to chase history of being the first player to go in the first round of MLB and the NFL. That's a cool nugget. But honestly, I don't think a team is going to waste its pick on you if they knew that you were going to choose MLB when it's all said and done. So good for Murray that he chooses the NFL. I think he did make the right choice. Why? Because... You know, we're seeing it right now. There's a QB revolution in the NFL where young quarterbacks are being taken. Um, There's quite a few teams this year that would probably love to have a quarterback in the first round to either hold a clipboard or to replace a current starter on their team. Um, You know, again, 
even though we saw a plethora, you like that word? I, I looked it up this morning. A plethora, I'm hoping I'm using it in the right context, of young QBs last year. You know, Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield. It's just kind of funny that there's still so much room for more young quarterbacks still in the NFL. You know, you have teams like the New York Giants. You have teams like the Miami Dolphins that might want to look for a new QB. You know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What are they doing with Winston or Fitz, uh, Fitzpatrick? So there's still a lot of teams out there that need a quarterback, and they might turn to the option of Murray. And, and you know, and Murray does have a chance to make some big-time money right away, as opposed to if you would have went the MLB route. You know, he's going to start off in what? You know, short season A or low A ball. It would take a while for Murray, especially since he's still sort of young. It would take him a while to hit the major leagues and to see that big, giant paycheck. Right now, if it's money that he wants, if it's the, the sponsors that he's after, his quickest route to stardom will be the NFL. Now, again, we talked about on the podcast in the past about his size um, and about his durability and about can he actually stack up on the NFL. He's one of the shorter QBs in the league if he were to enter the league. But I think there's just too much opportunity right now for him to get onto a team and become the starter right away that I think it was a solid decision for him to choose NFL. He's going to play faster, and there will be somebody who's going to pick him up in the first round. I wouldn't be surprised if he's gone within the first 10 picks, but I think he's definitely gone by the time the first round is over. So I I, I think there is an interesting part on, on the uh, the NFL factor, if how much success he will have, uh, especially being his size. I, I, I agree with you. We've seen Heisman Trophy winners go in the first round. All of the last nine have gone in the first round. Six of them gone in the first two pits. Uh, the only ones that weren't were guys of like uh, Lamar Jackson, I think Johnny Manz- uh, Johnny Manziel, Tim Tebow were the other. So it obviously there were other quarterbacks taken in front of them, but there there's still clearly a, a need always for the quarterback position. So he's going to go higher than his draft pick of nine with the Oakland Athletics. But one of the things that stands out to me is you talked about him being a Heisman winner. The idea that college football is much, much bigger than college baseball. And there's much more of a stardom fear for him to begin with. On top of that, if you're an NFL quarterback, you're a much bigger name than most baseball players. And especially a baseball outfield. Uh, you think of Bryce Harper and Mike Trout are two of the of, are the two biggest baseball names. How far down the list do they go compared to an NBA name that somebody will know of before they know Mike Trout or Bryce Harper? And, and especially on a quarterback position, I, I think it's even further before you reach that. Uh, so I think that I'd deal with the factor. But on a baseball standpoint, forget the athletics and how they're in trouble because of this. But we're looking at a problem in the MLB because everybody, whether they play in college or play in high school, they go to the minor leagues. Whether they were on Sports Illustrated when they were 16 years old and a unanimous first pick when they were going to be possibly in the draft, we're still in the minor leagues. And everyone's going to have to go that route. So... Baseball has that representation to it, whereas the NFL is you're drafted, you're on the team right immediately, you're on the field right immediately, probably without a clipboard is the only example that it won't occur. Does the MLB have a problem? 
that they have to address with this? You know, to me, no, because honestly, with Major League Baseball, development is a huge key. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, and I, and I, I think the real answer is I don't know. I mean, can someone go from college to MLB? Sure, we've seen guys like Michael Conforto be on the fast track. We've seen guys like Bryce Harper be on the fast track where they don't spend that much time in the minor leagues, but they have to stop there. Um, but I think it's because development is such a key thing at MLB where it's such a, you know, it's built into the system that, like you said, a player has to go here. But there's also plenty of risk when a guy goes from college straight into the NFL that there's no minor league there because, I mean, how many how many young players have we seen go out there and be terrible in their first year, and then be better in their second year. I mean, Jared Goff didn't exactly have the fir- a first great rookie season for the Rams. It wasn't until his second year, and he got a better head coach, that he was really able to take off. So I feel like with the NFL, you, you know, you're still developing, but it's kind of developing on the fly, or, or sometimes that can cost your team. Um, I don't think it's a serious problem with MLB. I think it's the reason why people would rather choose a sport like basketball or even like football, because again, even basketball players can get on the court faster. Like Zion Williamson, he's not going to the G League when he goes first overall. This kid's going to hit the NBA floor right away. But you can also argue that MLB is doing the right thing by making sure that they are finished products when they hit the major leagues. Because honestly, Nick, let's go back to basketball for a second. I I know we're talking about NFL and MLB, but in the NBA, how many one and done players do we have? They're just not getting it done right now. Josh Jackson, you know, and I can, the list goes on and on of guys who are not really doing it in the NBA right now because they're not developing either in college or in the G League or even at the NBA level. It's hard to develop your skills when you're on, you know, the, the major league roster or when you're, when you're on the main roster. In baseball, it gives you a chance. So I, I feel like it's a problem for MLB. Yes, because you're losing out on potential stars like Kyler Murray. But I think the developing and putting guys in the minor leagues is really strengthening the MLB to making sure we're getting finished products by the time they hit the major leagues. Well, yeah, I think you see more production out of rookies in the MLB than you often see in the NFL and NBA because they need a year. They need two years, possibly, Uh, where... The MLB is more known for that sophomore slump. Okay, you're a rookie, you go out real strong, you're you're dominating the league, and now all of a sudden, okay, now we have adjustments made to you in your second year. So I think there's that contradiction point on as far as a rookie production. But I think the MLB certainly has to try and figure out a way to fix it. Uh, and that's either trying to bring guys up a little bit faster or – arms develop a little bit better but there's not much of a selling point for MLB for two star uh two sport athletes it is hard to sell the MLB as a reason other than a longevity career but not always a famous one and not always the best financial one because we're not seeing guys like Bryce Harper and Manny Machado get their contracts right now we saw Michael Conley's got a huge contract, an insane contract that he got. But Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, two of the best players in baseball, can't get a contract going for them. And we're how many months in the offseason? So there, there, there's a flip point to that uh, well, easily. 
Well, I mean, we're going to get to Harper and Machado a little later in the podcast, but a lot of that is also due to greed on why they don't have a contract right now. I'll take the opposite point of that when we get to there. Uh, <laughs> uh, for Murray, though, do you see him having success in the NFL? Which you know, sport would you would have said he's got a better chance of having success? We'll start with that, and then we'll go to the we'll flip it to the NFL as well. Well, from the very beginning, I think he has a better chance of being successful successful in the NFL. Believe it or not, you know, with the MLB, you know, we talk about how he has to go to the minors and all this stuff. A lot of guys who hit the minor leagues, a lot of guys who are drafted in the first round, never see the major league roster. I mean, there's a chance that Kyler Murray goes to MLB. He, he plays in the minor league system for the A's and then just fizzles out in high A ball or double A and never sees the major league roster, never sees that big time money. Um, so I think there is a, a better chance of Kyler Murray being successful. Hey, he has speed. He's a mobile quarterback. You know, we're heading towards a generation where a lot of quarterbacks like to run out of the pocket. He already has that down. I think he will struggle a little bit in terms of his height because, you know, again, he is one of the shorter QBs in the league, and especially when you have these linebackers towering over you or the defensive linemen towering over you. I mean, stand Aaron Donald next to Kyler Murray and look at the size difference. I mean, that's huge. But I think Murray has a lot of quickness. He's very explosive. And I think he's accurate enough to be a good mobile quarterback because, you know, when you look at mobile quarterbacks, you know, Robert Griffin III in the past, Lamar Jackson, Cam Newton, the question is not how explosive can they be out of the pocket or how quick they are. It's okay, you're a mobile quarterback, but are you accurate? Are you accurate on the run? Can you throw it on the run? And Lamar Jackson's a perfect example. I love Lamar Jackson. You know that, Nick. But his accuracy isn't the greatest in the league. So even though he's a mobile quarterback and he's throwing on the run, it's not the most accurate pass. I feel like Kyler Murray is pretty accurate. I would like to see him get better, and I think he will over time. But he's pretty accurate enough that if he gets drafted by a team, I don't think he's starting right away. I think if I'm a team, I make him hold the clipboard and learn a little bit. But I think Murray does have a lot more potential to be successful in the NFL than the MLB. Just because in MLB, there's just so many steps to get to the Major League roster. There's no guarantee that he makes it to the Oakland roster ever in his career. So I'm going to take the reverse side of this. I think when you take the two players, and mind you, Heisman winner, phenomenal year in college. Uh, Oklahoma was offensively amazing. Top five, but their defense was, what, top 100 at best? Uh, As far as the players go, I'm going to say, as an outfielder, the MLB, he would be a better player than an NFL quarterback. I am do- I am someone that does care about a little bit of a tall quarterback. 5'10", I think, is just going to be very challenging to manage. On top of that, mobile quarterbacks that have that ability to run out of the pocket, yes, Lamar Jackson is a great example. We see them get wins. There are serious health injuries to that, like Robert Griffin III. And I think when you talk about a small quarterback, there are concerns for me at least. He will know how to do a baseball slide compared to Griffin. The key of his success, though, and I think the key for every quarterback in the NFL's success is their system. Because if you can create the right system around Kyle Murray, 
just like you can create the right system around any quarterback, you will win. You will have success as an offense, and you will damn sure have success as a quarterback in the NFL. But if he can't get the right system, he's not around the right offense coordinator, the right head coach, I think you're just looking at a lot of torn Mario. And, you know, it can be quick in the papers. Hey, chose the wrong sport. Real quick. So I, I think he, depending on the system he's in, he probably will have a would have had a better career as a baseball player. And I could be easily wrong on this one by taking that because if he has a godly season, I, I look awful. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking on also NFL news. Oh, no. I want to get one more question out of you about Kyle Murray. Not to go into the entire NFL draft. Arizona Cardinals have the number one pick. They did draft the quarterback last year in Josh Rosen. Will they go Kyle Murray, or do you see Kyle Murray going as the first pick in the NFL draft? I do not. I think the Cardinals still believe in Josh Rosen. Um, I would still believe in him. Um, You know, they had a bad season. They fired a head coach. They brought somebody new in. Um, I think the Cardinals would be foolish um, to give up on Josh Rosen right now. I think Josh Rosen was one of the better um, QBs in the draft class last year. Unless you're trading Rosen for something really, really good, I don't want to see a court. I don't want to see Murray going to the Cardinals here. I think if you are predicting somewhere for Murray to go, I would not be surprised if Jacksonville takes him, or even the New York Giants, or if somebody else later on down the line. I think uh, it's the, I know, like the Miami Dolphins have been projected to try and fall down in the draft to to a uh, tour next season, but. You know, if Kyle Murray's available for the Dolphins, I could see that as a possibility. Definitely, especially since they're, they're see, it seems to be, um, you know, they're getting a little restless down there in Miami with Tannehill. Not that he's the worst QB in the world. I mean, certainly Tannehill could still be a, a starting QB for a lot of teams, but things are getting a little restless. And, I mean, you know how it goes, Nick. When things get rest, restless, uh, usually change it follows. Yeah, it's... But good for Kyle Murray. I think as far as a professional, he chose the right sport uh, compared to the fame that he was riding in college. And you hear all different uh, – I mean, Mark Teixeira, an MLB, former MLB player, was talking about it. And he, he said Kyle Murray chose the right sport. Uh, there's just a consensus about that. Uh, avoiding the minor leagues. You know, if, if the MLB, if teams are still going to put you in the minor leads, not that they're forcing you, but because you need to develop in the minor leads, it just, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Kids, kids want to play in a sport now, immediately. And they don't want to go through, especially minor leads and even longer to get to the uh, big leads. And a two-sport athlete is never going to choose the MLB. Dream Hunt has a new team. And he signed a one-year contract with the Cleveland Browns. And obviously, Kareem Hunt, the videos came out, was released by the Kansas City Chiefs in just December. And here we are in, you know, beginning, mid of February. And he has a new team with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, he's already on the commissioner's exempt list. We don't really know how long he'll be suspended for. I think the minimum we're talking about is about 10 games. You have to figure he could be out the entire year, but uh, is it just one? It, it it almost seems like a lot of times when a player is with a domestic violence uh, 
video charge or something with domestic violence. Obviously, it's terrible, uh, but almost the first thing that happens is the players are released from the team and it goes to a new team. And we as fan base say, okay, you know, you this team can't have this player anymore on their team because of it. But we give pass to other teams to having the player on their team after it. But what's your first thought, initial thoughts with Dream Hunt signing? You know, honestly, I was kind of shocked. I mean, I mean, we're talking about a guy who, like you said, is already on the commissioner's exempt list. Um, we don't know how long he'll be suspended. And honestly, I think my question is, would we... Would we know how long he would be suspended even before he signs with a team? I don't feel like they would release that information until he signed with a team. Um, you know, I'm just really shocked because, you know, even when, I mean, we haven't seen something this bad, I want to say, since the Ray Rice scenario, or correct me if I'm wrong, was there someone else in between? Um, Greg Hardy. Greg Hardy, or or even Ezekiel Elliott was another uh, case too, but you know, we haven't seen a scenario where there's been video and stuff like that. So, you know, I think the NF we're still learning about what the NFL is trying to do to take action on this kind of stuff. And I think it's a risky move when it comes to the Cleveland Browns. And I was surprised he was signed right away. I thought I thought he was going to sit out a little bit longer. I think, you know, I, I definitely thought this could have spilled into next season, um, especially because teams just don't know. Um, I thought teams, you know, I don't know if they're allowed to. I thought they would have reached out to the NFL and say, hey, well, what's the deal with Kareem Hunt? Because we knew that he had a lot of suitors. We knew that people still wanted to sign him, but they wanted to see what was going to happen next with the NFL. So I'm just really surprised Cleveland has taken this leap. I mean, you're talking about a team that didn't win any games a couple of years ago. They bounced back and have a very nice year last year. Um, and I think they're throwing caution to the wind here because this is a team that I think a lot of people started to root for last year because, again, you know, they were the laughing stock of the league. All of a sudden, they get Baker Mayfield, cocky, cool, confident kid, and then they win seven games. And now I feel like they're going to, you know, they're going to get some, you know, pushback for this, too. Um, like you said, it's a very serious issue. Uh, a lot of people are not happy with people like Kareem Hunt who commit these kind of things. And I think you're going to see, first of all, I think you're going to see a lot of fan base or a lot of people who, we're starting to get into the the turnaround for the Browns. They're gonna try. They're gonna kind of shy away from this now and be like, "Well, I don't know how to feel right now." But mainly, to answer your question, is I was just very shocked because I didn't expect a move like this from Cleveland, um, and I just didn't expect a team to sign him so soon. Like you said, he was just released in December. I thought this still would have gone on into training camp or something. But very, very surprised that a team was willing to latch onto him so quickly and be so confident still not knowing what the punishment exactly is for Kareem Hunt. So, on a Cleveland Browns standpoint, this kind of made sense. So, obviously it's a hit on the PR. As you said, Like the Browns were, I think, everyone's favorite team last year. And that's even with, like, you know, a Baker Mayfield, who I, I think for a lot of people is hit or miss. Either you like Baker Mayfield, his attitude, how he... Uh, how he presents himself and how he's quick to go after somebody else, or you just don't like that at all. So it, it can be a hit or miss on a Baker Mayfield standpoint. But, you know, John Dorsey, GM of the Browns, was the GM of the Chiefs two years ago when they drafted Kareem Hunt in the third round. 
And Kareem Hunt already had issues in college, which is why he fell so far back in the draft. So, you know, taking another uh, chance on him, the domestic violence incident occurred in Cleveland. They do already have a running back in Nick Chubb. It is only a one-year deal. Most of this entire year, I would assume he's not going to be playing on the team. So Cleveland, I think, can be said for making the right moves here. I kind of think it's almost like we give pass to the second team, sort of like the Mets when Jose Reyes came out. Yeah, and okay, the Rockies released him, and then the Mets picked him up. It was his former team that brought him back into New York, uh, in an atmosphere that he knows, people that he that he played with early on in his career, fans that cheered for him very beginning with, even with that in Jose's like uh, a part of him forever with domestic violence, you know. It was almost a test because you're on a second team. So on a, per, a PR standpoint for the Browns, I don't see this as a miss for them. Uh, this could be a hit, especially if Fremont plays a couple games at the end of the season. He may stay with them afterwards or for any team as a possibility uh, when he's off this one-year contract. But, you know, I, I think, you know, does it make sense to be at this early, though? I mean, in a way, it kind of does, right? Because what Cleveland's doing is they're beating everybody else to the punch. Uh, I know... Pun intended, or... (laughs) Well, no, sorry. no. no, Well, I mean, sorry, that was a bad reference on that one. But, you know, but the reports were clear. Teams were willing to sign Kareem Hunt. There was no hesitation. We knew he was going to have another team. Because, you know, we, we read that over and over, that yes, teams were surprised the Chiefs let him go and that there were various teams that wanted him. And I think what the Browns did was they got it away saying, hey, we're willing to offer you a one-year deal. Come here. You know, we'll give you a second chance. And I think for Kareem Hunt, I really think Kareem Hunt would have accepted the first offer that came his way because the guy just wants to play football. He wants to get back on the field. He wants to, you know, use his second chance to his um, full potential. And Again, when coming off situations like this, I really believe that the person will sign with anybody who offers it. And if you're Cleveland, you know, again, you you beat out other teams by signing him right away um, as opposed to waiting and then having a cluster of teams try to say, hey, come here. Hey, you can come here. When you come back, you'll have this person. I think by Cleveland putting themselves out there saying, hey, you know, or like Dorsey, like you said, we believe in you. We'll accept you back with open arms. We know it was a mistake. It's more of a nurturing kind of thing. So I think the Browns deserve some credit in a way where they jumped out ahead of everybody else and was saying, hey, come join us. Things will be okay once all this gets sorted out. So I think one of the other things of it being early was, you know, we're not going to talk about this after this week. And the next time we're going to be talking about Kareem Hunt is when we find out how long he's on the exempt list for and how long he's suspended for. That's about it for when we're going to be talking about him. Now, if he signs in, like, June, when we're closer to the NFL season, or when we're at the draft point, um, I think that's a little bit more of a challenge for the Browns. But, you know, in February, obviously it's a big story right now. 
uh, because it's Kareem Hunt, a big NFL player, uh, especially domestic violence. But as far as him being on the Browns, I think that will quickly fade away as a topic till we get to the regular season. But, you know, it's... It's one of those interesting points, I think, at the end of the day. Um, if you are an owner of a team, obviously winning should matter to you. You should always want to win. Uh, as You never really want to hear the terms of like trying to tank for another year or putting money in or not putting money into the team. But you should also be looking to do uh, make create a team without having guys that have domestic violence on them, without having guys that have certain records to them at the end of the day. But, you know, every team's different. And John Dorsey taking another shot on Kareem Hunt with the Cleveland Browns. Surprise, Bryce Harper and Manny Machado don't have a team still. (laughs) Um, But they do seem to have different teams looking at them. Uh, the Yankees made what seems like an eight or seven year offer for two hundred and twenty million. I th- thought the White Sox had made a deal sort of like that as an offer for them. Um, but we'll start with the Yankees. You know, does this make sense for the Yankees to try and sign Manny Machado? They have DJ LeMahieu, they have Labor Torres, they have Troy Tillowitzki, Medell Andujar, and eventually DJ Jorius is coming back. So. Do you like the idea of the Yankees trying to make this big offer for Machado? You know, I don't because, like you just said, I think the Yankees have plenty um, of guys that they're going to have a hard time finding playing time for anyways. Um, But I think the Yankees would have a plan. If they get Machado, then I think guys like Andujar become expendable in a trade for, let's say, a pitcher or some other kind of upgrade. Um, I think Labor Torres is safe as the future of the Yankees, whether it's at second base or shortstop. Um, and I also think that, you know, Machado is an upgrade over Andahar if he would agree to play third. Um, even though they just signed LeMahieu, I feel like he is an upgrade over LeMahieu too. So if you're the Yankees and you can afford it, why not go after a top guy? Because if you, let's say if Machado did say yes, if you're the Yankees, you can easily fix it by offering Andahar in trade. There's plenty of teams that would love Miguel Andahar after the rookie season that he had last year. And LeMahieu, it seems like he's been told to bring a lot of gloves for a lot of different positions. So it looks like LeMahieu is going to be used as a flex guy anyways. And again, for the Yankees, you know, the Yankees aren't afraid to let people walk away. And I think, honestly, I know a lot of Yankee fans love Didi. I think Gregorius did a great job of turning his career around when he got to the Yankees. But Machado is better than Didi Gregorius. Machado and Torres is better than a future with Didi Gregorius. Because if Didi Gregorius goes somewhere else, I don't think he has the same success. I think he has had a lot of help from Yankee Stadium in general of becoming a, ho- a more of a home run hitter and stuff like that. I think the combination of Machado and Torres is better than Gregorius and Torres. And again, you don't have to worry about Andujar because if Machado did come, you've solved that by trading away Miguel Andujar. There'll be plenty of takers that has pitching that the Yankees can get. But like I said... I mean, if you're the Yankees, why not is the question. Yeah, why? And obviously, if you're going to put $220 million on a Manny Machado, uh, he's going to be your starting option at shortstop. 
Uh, no question. Or you know, you never know. He might. He likes. He likes the idea of being a Yankee enough that maybe he'd even play third for them. I think the Yankees are the only team that he would actually play third base for. I think he would play a damn. <laughs> Not but even I, double, I, double digits. Uh, no, I, I mean, on a Yankee standpoint, it makes a lot more sense if Manny Machado was to move to third. Because we'll play this scenario out. Miguel Andujar, I like him. Runner-up in Rookie of the Year. He's one of the worst. Should have been Rookie of the Year. No, 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 no. Runner-up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Should have been. Maybe in 2002. Um, Worst. One of the worst defensive third basemen in all of baseball. That's great. But he also carried the Yankees for two months. He's probably the worst active right now. He had one of the worst... At third base in defensively seasons in like the last 20 years. And so he'd be a significant upgrade defensively at third. Uh, and Miguel Andujar, if he moves to like a designated hitter role or he gets traded as a possible piece, that would make more sense. And moving DD or keeping DD at short. But, you know, I, I don't mind this move by the Yankees at all. But if you're, let's say, the Phillies or the White Sox, what is your thought pattern in this? Because you had been the two top teams to try and sign Manny Machado, and now the New York Yankees come out with this offer. Are you, if you're the White Sox or Phillies, going to try and match it? Well, it's very unclear if this is a new offer or an offer that the Yankees had offered in the past. Um, but either way, if I'm the White Sox or the Phillies, I'm a little bit worried because you're not going to outbid the Yankees. The Yankees have plenty of money to spend. They have an open checkbook. I know the Yankees like you know put on this front for the past couple of years that yeah we're trying to tone back the spending. But if the Yankees want their guy, they will go get their guy. They will spend the dollar amount they need to to go get them. And I know the Phillies have a lot of money this offseason. Uh, we've seen that when they tried to sign when they signed McCutcheon, they made it clear that they were interested in both Harper and Machado. Um, I still think they end up with one or the two. But if I'm the Phillies and especially if I'm the White Sox, I'm a little nervous because this is the guy that I want. And I'm not going to outbid the Yankees, especially the White Sox. You're not outbidding them. It's not going to happen. So I think I think it's a little – it's worse for the Phillies than it is the White Sox because for the Phillies, they were kind of banking on bringing in one of these guys this offseason as opposed to the White Sox where you're hoping the guy can latch on and really still build this team. I still don't think the White Sox are going anywhere. Even if they have Machado this year, it would be a more of a next year thing. But – if it's it would hurt more for the Phillies than it would the White Sox because the Phillies really were banking on bringing one of these guys in. Well, I think both teams can still make a serious offer to Manny Machado. I think he's a tremendous fit in uh, a White Sox uniform or a Phillies uniform. Uh, I think out of you know the three, because maybe a little Met fan bias, I'd rather see him in the Chicago White Sox. <laughs> I, I think you're kind of on the same agreements. Uh, I mean, I don't know about that. I mean, I see a lot of people complaining, saying we can't let Machado go to the East. We can't let Harper go to the East. But you know what? We had Harper in the NL East for how many years and how many division? I mean, how many championships did the Nationals win in that span? <laughs> uh, the one that they could have possibly, they decided to sit Stephen Strasburg. Yeah, the well. We can't dwell on that. That's not our choice. (laughs) (laughs) Fair point. Um, You know, I think there's a lot of open opportunities for Manny Machado on this side with the Yankees coming out. uh, Obviously, it made sense 
on a Machado standpoint, especially if, you know, at the end of the day, if all three teams are going to offer you the same amount of money, you're probably going to take the Yankees, a team that has the best chance of winning, uh, a team that you wanted to go to. So I think they're the lead favorite, especially when they make a move of 220. If the Phillies or White Sox say, okay, we'll go to 250, what's the Yankees saying? What's an extra 30 million at that point? It's a couple more million a year. That's it. To just get to 30. See, I agree with you, but I also think the Yankees know that they don't need to go that much higher because, like you said, the White Sox, Phillies, Yankees, who has the best chance of making the playoffs next year, Nick? Uh, the Yankees. Exactly. So if I'm the Yankees, you know, I feel like Machado wants them to get into this bidding war because obviously he wants the money. But if you're the Yankees, you need to really understand here that you're in control because you can tell Machado, hey, take the 225. We're going to the playoffs next year. We're either going to win the East or we're going to get a wild card spot. I really believe the Yankees will make the playoffs hands down. You can take your chance and you can go to Philadelphia and hope that the Braves and the Mets have a bad season. You can hope that the Nationals really suffer from not having Bryce Harper. Or you can hope that all these other teams in the National League don't have a strong wild card season. You can hope that the Cubs aren't that good this year. You can hope that the Brewers fall off. You can hope that the Cardinals don't make a strong play this year. Or you can go to the White Sox and wait a year until you're good in 2020 to try and take the AL Central crown. Or you can come to New York with Aaron Judge under the bright lights and make the playoffs this year. The Yankees don't need to go any higher because they know what they offer, which is a chance to win right away. So it really depends on what uh, what Machado wants. So I agree with you. If you're the Phillies, why not offer a little bit more money than the Yankees? But if you're the Yankees, you can always go higher. And also, the Yankees know their worth. So if they don't need to go higher, they could just say, hey, we're going to be in the playoffs this year. So make your choice. Also, like, I, I hate to use this as an example, but like, which one provides the most pressure? And, you know, some people like pressure, some people don't. Uh, I mean, everybody wants to win at the end of the day, but, you know, some people also want to make out just a lot of money. And if you go to a White Sox or a Phillies team, there's expectations of leadership. There's expectations that when all these young guys pan out, you know, we're a serious contender and you're leading us to that route. But there's no guarantee a lot of the young guys pan out. I mean, the White Sox have studs. So I would bet on panning out than not. But you know, obviously, if there's a more pressure environment that's going to the New York Yankees, you can't find a more pressure than that. Uh, on the flip, Bryce Harper seems to have had uh, a meeting with the San Francisco Giants, which you want to talk about a team out of nowhere. The Giants finished 73-89 and 89 last season. Over, I think, the last two or three years, only the Cincinnati Reds have uh, lost more games than the San Francisco Giants. First off, like uh, on a Bryce Harper standpoint, does this even make sense for the Giants? I understand they have like $40 million that's coming off the books in 2020, so they really wouldn't be taking a significant hit except this year. But this is a top-10 payroll with a terrible... Uh, last couple of years. Yeah, I mean, to me, with the Giants trying to get Harper, to me, this is their final attempt uh, 
to really try and save this before they can hit a rebuild. And, I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world. I feel like the Giants really have underperformed over the past couple of years. They still have some good talent on this team, though, Nick. You know, they have Brandon Crawford and Joe Panic up the middle. I know they have Longoria, who's reaching on, you know, on the older side. Um, you still got Madison Bumgarner. Uh, this is a team that can still win. It can definitely still compete for a wild card spot. And you know what? The NL West, to me, is still a very iffy division. You know you have the Dodgers, but honestly, after the Dodgers, who else is there? I know you're going to say Colorado, but the Rockies are usually they're on again, off again. One year they're great, one year they're not. One year they're at 500, one year they finish and make the playoffs. The Rockies aren't a very consistent team. Um, you have San Diego, who's still full of a bunch of youngsters. And, of course, you have the Arizona Diamondbacks, who are looking like they're rebuilding, too, when they traded away Paul Goldschmidt. So if you're the Giants, there is a still, there's still a small little window. And maybe you open that window right back up by bringing in a guy like Harper when Posey comes back from the DL. And they have a kid named Joey Bart in the minor leagues who, you know, he was a top draft pick last year. And he might be on the fast track to the majors, who's a catcher. So there's still hope for the Giants. And I feel like they're thinking of making one last run. Now, if I'm the Giants, I don't do this. And I opt for the rebuild instead and to retool myself. That way, when Bart does hit the major leagues, we're ready to go and ready to win. But I'm also not going to knock their concept and knock their idea that they still have a chance because of how weak the NL West is becoming. I mean, obviously, they need outfield help. There's and, I mean, no denying big, that. It's a, it's a big help for their outfield, honestly. But does signing Bryce Harper right now get them to the playoffs? Honestly, I don't think they make the playoffs, but it puts them in contention for the second wild card spot. For this year or, or next year? For this year? year. For this year. Do you think if they sign Bryce Harper, they'd have to trade some – like? Obviously, if they sign Bryce Harper, they're not trading Madison Bumgarner at that point because that wouldn't make sense. Bring in Bryce Harper, trade your star ace. Uh, but you know, they they clearly would have to be trading somebody at that point because I don't think Brandon Belt stays on this team after that. Uh, sure, but I think it's very easy to find a team to take Brandon Belt for, let's say, a reliever. Even their relievers, they got a lot of money too. They have a lot of bid name money attached to, you know, names at the end of the day, uh, names that have won them World Series in the past. But to expect this team seventy three eighty nine, uh, a lot of the players can't stay healthy, uh, and as adding an MVP candidate like Bryce Harper is great, but yeah, you know, seven eight wins. On on a bonus that he gets you from last season, that just gets you to a game under five hundred or five hundred. So we're not even talking about Bryce Harper. It gets you a push of to ninety wins. Bryce Harper just gets you a push to your expectation should be five hundred baseball in a tough division that still has the Dodgers and Rockies. The Padres are upcoming. The only team that's just like dead in the water is the Diamondbacks. There, so. I mean, I wouldn't call it such a tough division. Again, I think the Rockies are super inconsistent um, in terms of their success from year to year. Um, are they a good team? Yes, but we've seen plenty of times where the Rockies kind of just fizzle out um, and go back to being a 500 team. I think the Padres really need someone like Harper instead or someone like Moustakas um, to really help them anchor when these young kids come up. Hey, I'm agreeing with you. 
if I'm the Giants, I don't do this. I don't bring in Bryce Harper, but I, I, I can understand why they would. I don't know if I can understand why they uh, The only way I can understand why they would is if they seriously believe that they may not be in contention this year, and it's almost like the White Sox plan, that they're just a big player away from a year from now. But I don't think they are. I don't, I don't think a lot changes from that. They, they, they do have a nice pitching staff. I don't know, man. Kung Fu Panda combined with Harper. That's something I might want to see. Oh, God. <laughs> Panda and Harper. Come on. Uh, the only person I know that really liked it was Steve Kerr. Uh, <laughs> he was all for the idea of Bryce Harper going to the Giants. Uh, but I don't know if that's the right move by the uh, the Giants at the end of the day. Right now, I think the odds are Giants are like 1-1, one to one, Padres are 2-1. to one. So West Coast has a great chance. And then Phillies, Dodgers, and Nationals round out the top five on the Hopper uh, Sweet States. And for Machado, uh, it was Yankees, and then Padres, Phillies, then White Sox. So as far as the rankings is possibility for the odds on that, not that I really think you should bet free agency odds. <laughs> Coming from me, nonetheless. Run to the tables. Place yeah. your bets down. <laughs> but not on not on free agent odds, but <laughs> overall and everything else. I think that would be insider trading if a player decided to make their own bet of where they land. Um, but let's talk a little bit about the NBA before we go into our own NBA All-Star Draft. And let's start with LeBron James. He's back with the Lakers from injury. And in that, it's been some tough losses as just picked up a 20-plus loss to the 76ers right now. And I would say, when we looked at the Lakers, they're right now 10th, not even in the playoffs. They're 3-10 in the last 10 games. They're 28-28. and 28. They're two and a half games behind the Clippers, and the Kings are ahead of them as well. Uh, Kings are only a half game out of the Clippers. So, do you think the Lakers and LeBron James can make the playoffs before the end of the season? You know, I think they can. Um, LeBron's back. He's healthier. Uh, I think you're looking at a 50-50 shot, realistically, when it comes to the Lakers making the playoffs. Um, but I'm not saying they're going to go in there and, and go on a, a, a run where they're going to get the fifth seed or the fourth seed. I think you're looking at the Lakers being an eighth seed or they miss the playoffs completely. Um, I never count out a LeBron James team because we've seen LeBron James take crappier teams um, to the playoffs and go pretty deep into the playoffs. But uh, this is still a pretty talented team. I think they're still suffering from the trade deadline abysmalness. Um, I think once they get a couple of games under their belt, first of all, I know they lost, you know, they, they blew a giant comeback. Or they blew, I mean, they, they lost by a giant lead against Philly. But Philly is one of the top teams in the East. I mean, let's get that, you know, let's get that straight. But a, a win like they did the other night against the Celtics and, and Rondo shooting that shot and watching them celebrate as a team, I think the Lakers are going to get their chemistry back a little bit, knowing that no one's leaving this team yet. This is the team that's going to be there for the rest of the season. And I think eventually you're going to see them, you know, kind of group back together 
and and really put a stretch together. Because you really think LeBron James is going to settle for not making the playoffs this year? I find that very, very hard to believe. And I think if they do miss the playoffs, then everybody in that locker room should be very worried that they're going to have a job next year in the purple and gold because LeBron will not have any of that. Um, so I think I think the Lakers do make it, but you will see them as an eight seed. If they don't get in the eight seed, then they're not getting in at all. But I think there is a 50-50 shot that the Lakers do get in. Well, really, at that point, you you don't even want the AFC. It. But I mean, but it's not about this year, anyways, don't Nick? We all know that. I agree with you there. So I mean, even if you make the even if you make the first, you know, even if you make the eighth seed, if you have to face Golden State, I mean, worst case scenario, you lose four to one to them or get swept. No one's gonna care because it's all about next year and what can the Lakers do in free agency? Because if this was next year and the Lakers are not making the playoffs, or the Lakers are getting blown out in the playoffs, then we have an issue. But for right now, the Lakers do have a pass. Okay, but what? obviously they have a pass. Obviously, I don't think anyone's considering the Lakers to win the NBA Finals this season. But let's ask the question of what looks worse. Uh, the Lakers not making the playoffs, and LeBron James missing the playoffs, or the Lakers get in, they're the eighth seed, and they get swept. Certainly, the play, you know, getting swept in the playoffs look worse, but honestly, if the Lakers do make the playoffs and they get swept in the first round, are you surprised? No. I wouldn't be surprised. So to but, me, it's not that upsetting because you know it's coming. And I know that it adds insult to injury that it'll probably be Golden State doing the sweeping, but it's going to make the revenge that much better for Laker fans once the, the Lakers retool and possibly steal Clay Thompson. I I think if there was a player that I think the Lakers should get outside of like obviously of LeBron choices I think he would choose Kevin Durant as number one but I think the number two choice that he should have is not Anthony Davis but Dwight Thompson. But I mean no didn't you hear all the Knicks fans already have Durant going to the Garden Uh, that's what's happening Nick okay yeah (laughs) they're gonna create their own Power Five from free agency they're gonna convince them all to come. Uh, <laughs> I, I just wish we had a button that had Kawhi Leonard's laugh right about now. Uh, so, one of the other things LeBron James, obviously he's always going to make headlines, but he just had his all-star draft and a unique team he had. So, you look at it and he's got a lot of guys that won't be under contract too long. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Kawhi Leonard, all free agents next year. James Harden, he had a take, I guess. Um, and then even his first couple pits were Anthony Davis, who, what did Giannis say? Isn't that like tampering by taking him? And then Clay Thompson, who's also a free agent. So uh, LeBron James really seems to be doing more does it seem business than fun for this All-Star game? I mean, it certainly could be, but I, I think I think LeBron did do that on purpose slightly. Um, I mean, I'm not going to accuse LeBron James of drafting this All-Star roster on purpose. But do you, if, if there was a smart way to look at it and say, hey, let's play together next season and let's have some time... F- uh, playing with each other right now for tonight. You know, it's 
that would be the move to make, pretty much. No, I mean, but I think it's different because no defense is going to be played in this game, and they're not going to go through any hardships on 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 Sunday night. <laughs> but this is also like the perfect night for LeBron doesn't have to score a single basket. This is true. LeBron just has to pass the ball to the other guys and show, hey, you get a lot of shots when you're with me. I, I think that it was a phenomenal move. And if, if he's choosing his team for those reasons, which I'm not saying he did, but I'm not going to say he didn't. I mean, Kevin Durant, I think he was going to choose no matter what. I think he was going to go first no matter what. But outside of that, I mean, every single one afterwards, Kyrie Irving. I mean, how often are you repeating Kyrie Irving? He's played with Kyrie Irving for years. And then Kawhi Leonard. over Again, all these guys are going above James Harden. I mean, James Harden went a while before going. Uh, so... There's certainly some question marks on that one. The Lakers, you mentioned, beat Boston with Rondo hitting a last-second shot. Boston has really fallen off. They didn't make a move at the trade deadline. Uh, Are you concerned about Boston? You know, I am, because this is a team that looked like they played really well together on the court. Um, But is it a coincidence, really, that Kyrie was missing during the playoffs when Boston was playing their best basketball um, I don't know. I just think this happens to a lot of young teams. And I think we saw it with the Milwaukee Bucks for a lot of years, too, where they get all this hype. They're supposed to be the best team in the league, but they just can't put it together. And I think the Celtics are really feeling the you know their own sort of sophomore slump where they were a great team last year. We were talking about how they can take down LeBron and the Cavs. They, they couldn't get the job done, uh, you know, mostly because they were missing Kyrie last year in the playoffs. But... You know, we're watching a slump season, and I don't think the the Celtics need to make a lot of changes. I think the Celtics can bring back the exact same team next year and be just fine and even better than they're playing this year. But I do think they're going through a little bit of a funk, and I am concerned about them because they are teams who are playing better basketball than them right now. The 76ers are playing a lot better. Toronto is playing a lot better. And honestly, Nick, I can't say with 100% honesty that I really believe the Celtics make it out of the first round of the playoffs. I mean, I could see the Celtics, you know, playing so bad down the stretch that they end up with a fourth, a fifth seed and end up getting a really tough matchup with, I don't know, a hungry team like the Indiana Pacers or even, and don't laugh, my hometown Brooklyn Nets. And these are teams that can play them hard and they can take them seven games just to put them away when it should really be taking four or five, especially if the Pacers don't have Oladipo. Uh, I'm really concerned about the Celtics right now. They don't look like the teammate they did last year. They don't look as cohesive and... Honestly, they just don't look that focused. They're 35 and 21. They're two games behind the Indiana Pacers. Uh, they The Clippers game, they looked awful in. After having an 18-point lead, the, their questions are going to be uh, tomorrow night. Tomorrow night, they're in Philadelphia, and they do very well usually against the 76ers. Joel Embiid has set it out, you know, we they haven't played well against Boston. Boston seems to always have their number. Um, you know this is a big game for me to look at because I I am not trusting Boston. They were not aggressive during the trade deadline. 
And we saw Milwaukee be aggressive. We saw Toronto get aggressive. We saw the 76ers get aggressive. I'm sure if the Indiana Pacers had Victor Oladipo, they would have been aggressive. But no, Boston, just quiet, watching everybody else. And it doesn't make sense of them doing that. They have extra players. They have extra room. They could have made a move, and they chose not to at the end of the day. And I, this could be a defining moment because I think everyone thought Boston was easily going to get to the Eastern, was going to get to the NBA Finals after LeBron James left, and here they are right now in the fifth seed, and very much struggling. So it's a high concern. The Nets just hit a three for you, uh, Jose. They're up by three against Toronto with less than a minute left. Joey Buckets, Joey Harris. Yeah. Shame I'm rooting for Toronto. <laughs> Shame on you, indeed. Yep. Um, all right, so now it's getting into our, you know, our big moment right now. We're both going to do our draft, so we're going to stick with the same rules. We'll host as one of the captains of the team. Obviously, neither one of us will be playing in the game, or maybe Jose would. I, I'd be sticking with the bench, uh, but. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to represent LeBron James' team, and Jose, you're going to be Giannis's. Uh, but Jose is going to have the first pick in this draft. So, Jose, who are you taking with the number one pick? With the number one pick, I am taking the man who has had 30 points or more in a crazy amount of games. I'm going with the beer, James Harden. Um, to me, he's locked in right now. And can you imagine a combination of Atentacumpo and Harden on the same team? Atentacumpo covering the paint and Harden with the step-back threes over LeBron James. Uh, I think James Harden is one of the hottest people in the game right now. The two top MVP candidates on the same team. I'll sign up for that with, in my opinion, the MVP James Harden leading the charge. So I'm going to go with... I'm going to copy LeBron James. I'm going to take Kevin Durant. Uh, I consider LeBron James the best player in the NBA, best player of all time. Uh, Right now in the NBA, Durant is the second best player. Uh, Just everything that he can do, it's just a perfect fit for an all-star game. And, you know, I do need somebody to to try and match Giannis' size uh, to cover, even if there is no defense. Uh, So I'm going to go with Durant on that. For my next pick, I'm actually going to go with Kawhi Leonard, uh, just because you said it yourself, uh, the defense. I think Atentacupo plays amazing defense. James Harden uh, loves to get calls and people tripping all over him, which I'm fine with if he's on my team. And I think Kawhi Leonard is one of the best two-way players in the game, honestly. Um, I think if Atentacupo and Harden wasn't having a fantastic season, as they are, I think Leonard can is always an MVP candidate in my eyes, um, defensively and offensively. Um, and good luck having a hard time stopping a team with a Tentacupo and Leonard on it defense, uh, offensively as they're playing defense, I should add. Going to go with another warrior, uh, Steph Curry. You know, all-star games are all about offense. Give me the best three-point shooter that's going to finish his career all-time in threes. Uh, probably one of the you know, top five, if not the third best player in the NBA. So I need a point guard. I'll go Curry. You know, shame on me for prioritizing defense when I realize it's the All-Star game three picks in and I'm choosing the best defensive players. 
Shame. When no when no defense gets played in these games. You can't say gonna... best defensive players, plural, and have James Harden on that team. Uh, hey, I said it. I said he's not one of the defensive players. Either way, I am taking Joel Embiid with my next pick. Again, I'm going with defense for some reason because I think I didn't think this through when I made these plans out in my head. But I'm going to go with Embiid um, having a fantastic season, one of the best big men in the game, and in my opinion, probably one of the best centers right now. Um, in the NBA. I'm going to go with the most underrated guy that we don't talk enough about. We talked so much about James Harden's 40-point month. The last seven games, James Harden is averaging 38-plus. The last seven games, Paul George is averaging 37-plus. He has a higher three-point percentage than James Harden. He has a higher field goal percentage than James Harden. And one of the things that the Thunder are doing right now is they are red hot in winning games. And that to me matters also. Paul George is going to be on my team. I'm taking what I consider is the hottest player in the NBA and a guy that's not getting considered for the MVP when he definitely should be. So with my next pick, I'm going to break up the honeymoon of LeBron James and Kyrie Irving, and I'm going to take Irving instead. Um, uh, just so you know, Nick, I don't have much to say about Irving, except I have a source that I cannot name, and it certainly isn't a reliable one. So nobody quote me on this, that Irving, uh, um, I know someone who knows Kyrie Irving's uncle, and apparently he really wants to play in New York. Um, but again, super unreliable source. Don't quote me. Don't come at me, Stephen A. Smith. Point is, I'm taking Irving as my final starter um, for my team. Anonymous source. I like that. Uh Kemba Walker. Unreliable. <laughs> Not a source. Uh, Kemba Walker, I'm forced to take. Uh, we knew this was coming. I think everybody knew this was coming. Whoever was going to have the second pick in all this was going to have Kemba Walker. And I'll tell you how long it would take before I actually considered him after we consider all the reserves that go down this list. It's going to be a while, folks. Hey, I don't mind it. Hometown guy. You I, know. I, I loved him on Utah. I loved him on UConn. He got drafted because of how he played in UConn in the March Madness tournament. He has turned out to be great. I'm sure he'll be a Nick in the next couple months. And that will be the free agency of when we talked about it. Was Porzingis worth the trade? Hey, I don't mind. I'd take Kemba Walker. Bring him to Brooklyn. (laughs) (laughs) All righty. Jose, who's on the reserve squad? All right, the reserves. Well, I'm going to go with another big man here in Joe Kick. Um, ah. Yeah, I, I, knew you would, I knew you would have that reaction. Um, again, we always talk about all the time, probably one of the dark horses for MVP. I know Charles Barkley says it all the time, too. He's a fantastic player. I mean, and this is a guy that was really on nobody's radar when he got drafted, and I don't know where the Denver Nuggets would be without him. I know they invested a lot of stock in Paul Millsap when they signed him, but honestly, Joe Kick is the Denver Nuggets, um, and I always feel comfortable picking the Nuggets in any kind of pick em matchup. Or, or, and, you know, I really think the Nuggets have a chance to go deep into the playoffs this year, and it's because of um, the strong play of Joe Kick. Folks, my bench is going to be really light because I'm going to be trading a lot of players to get <laughs> Joe Kick from Jose. I think he had some insider trading of where I wanted to go with that. Uh, but I was debating between either Joe Kick or Clay Thompson. I- I mean, I promise I didn't steal any info off your desk, so it's fine. 
Just just the giant word Joker circled in the notepad. <laughs> Nothing too hard to see. Uh, Clay Thompson, I'm going to take the final warrior on this list. I think, I mean, is there like eight more others to go? Uh, but yeah, Clay Thompson, uh, this is offense. I'll take uh, the third warrior. A uh, guy that doesn't need to even dribble the ball to get some threes. Uh, there are so many videos that are coming out, like four dribbles 40 point games like this is insane and that's a perfect fit for an all-star game when you talk about guys that are running around they don't really have a lot of plays set you just want to take that wide open jump shot or that jump shot where you don't have to do too much on give me a guy like thompson coming off the bench for my team next up i got anthony davis there will be no tampering on my watch as he comes to team giannis um again davis a lot like joe kick i think they're very similar players offense and defensively and these are the two best big men's um also with the marcus cousins probably left in the game i don't think there's enough traditional big men anymore um anthony davis really fits that role for me all right i need some height so why don't i go some height on a point guard position uh ben simmons i'm gonna take him with uh, my next pitch i only because i want height and it's too early to take any of the larger guys left all right, that's that's fair enough. And I, I'm I don't go... I don't need a jump shooter. I got the jump shooters. <laughs> fair enough. I'm gonna go with Damian Lillard. I've always been a fan of his. I think he's one of the most underrated um, guards there is in this league, especially because you know you talk about you know Westbrook, Curry, Harden. I don't feel like Lillard ever gets enough love. Um, I really wish Lillard would be a starter one day in the All Star game, and I don't think that would ever happen because of the popularity contest. Even though Lillard is a loved you know person in Portland. And all around the league, um, to me, he's just so skillful. And I think a lot of times, I feel like there are days where he's better than Westbrook and even better than Curry. Sometimes, I'm just a big fan of Damian Lillard, so I could use an extra guard with all the height that I have on my team. So I'm going to go a little bit smaller. I'm going to go Lillard with uh, my next one. Let me ask you this: Do you see Lillard staying in Portland much longer? You know, originally when Aldridge left, I did because I think Lillard was very similar to Westbrook, where it's hey, I'm the face of the franchise now. This is my team. Um, But I think there comes a point where Portland really has to start putting players around them. You know, you look at OKC, everybody was like, yes, we love that Westbrook stayed. But eventually you had to get a Paul George in order to help Russell Westbrook out because every time Westbrook left the floor, there wasn't anything going on. Westbrook was the offense. So when he came out of the game, the game was practically over and and the Thunder were getting beat down. Um, I think you're going to see a similar situation in, in Portland. You know, when Lillard is not on the floor... What else is there, really? And, you know, C.J. McCollum, he's a good player, but he's not a strong number two for Damian Lillard. So I think the Trailblazers are going to be forced to either get Lillard some help, and it's hard because it's not like people are willing to go to Portland, or um, Lillard might take his expertise you know, and his talents elsewhere. So it wouldn't surprise me if he does up and leave. I don't know how much longer he's going to be able to stay. Uh, so I'm going to take your teammate, uh, Chris Middleton, I'm just a huge fan of Middleton. I know I should be going with some size here, but I'm, I'm going to stick with let's just have a lot of small forwards. I feel like we have like a senior team versus a, versus the uh, the JV team here before they hit growth spurts. Um, because I am going to take, well, anyways, I'm actually going to, hmm, this is actually tough now. Middleton was a fantasy basketball pitch. He was on my team last year. I loved him. I'm going to go with the walking triple-double in Russell Westbrook. Um, 
again, why not? You know, uh, I'm not afraid to have Embiid and Westbrook on the same team. Uh, Westbrook, one of the better players, and I'll take I'll take the the very talented players as well too. It's, like you said, it's about offense. Nikola Vucevic. Also, I'm gonna rip your Westbrook. <laughs> I, I know I said it wrong, but I'm gonna rip the Westbrook pick apart in just 30 more seconds. I need a center. At the end of the day, I need a center, and let me get a guy that can rebound great and still put up some points. Uh, he doesn't have to do so for me up with this squad, but I certainly need a big man. Uh, Go on. You said you're going to rip my pick? Oh, yeah. First off, Russell Westbrook. Western Conference players that should be not in the All-Star game, Westbrook should be number one. I get it. He's averaging a triple-double, but my God, his shooting makes me feel like I could be an All-Star. It is just abysmal. It, it, there are times where he is just scared to shoot the ball in games. And if it hasn't been for Paul George, who should be this, one of the starters in this All-Star game without a question, who should be considered for the MVP. But, you know, we're looking at a guy that's shooting 41% at times, but he's doing much worse during a lot of his games. Just 24% from threes. And you looked at the numbers. It, today, he's 3-for-13. Yeah, in Houston, he had a great game. He was 8-for-21. But most of these games, five five shots made. 5-for-20. There are just so many awful games that he has. He should not be anywhere near all-star consideration. I get it. He puts up the stats. He puts up the triple-doubles. That doesn't mean you're getting the wins on your team. You're, you're actually hurting your team every time you're touching the ball and taking up a jump shot. You, you good? You got yeah, it all out I, of your system? I'm, I'm good at this point. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. Okay, my my comeback for that is I have his jersey, and I'm a really big fan of his. <laughs> and he was available, so I, I, I took him. My next pick is going to be my boy, D'Angelo Russell. I know Brooklyn lost tonight, but Russell has really been on another planet. Um and honestly, how good of a feel-good story is this, really? I mean, the guy gets practically kicked off the Lakers for being immature, for Magic Johnson saying, basically, hey, he's not a leader. And really, he is the leader, though, here in Brooklyn. I feel like he's really matured this season. He's healthy after having the knee injury last year. And he's playing really good basketball. And I don't know if the Nets would be where they are if it wasn't for D'Angelo Russell. The Nets have a giant question mark going into the offseason because I do feel like Russell is a free agent. I could be wrong about that. The Nets have to make a choice about what they want to do in terms of who they're bringing in, and I really would love to have Russell back on a new, in Brooklyn Nets. All right, so i got to get some height again. Uh, so I'm going to go Carl Anthony Towns. I need another big man. So, and I'm a, he was also, also a huge fan of him. Uh, just had him on a fantasy team again. Uh, guy puts up stats. He's a double-double machine at the end of the day. He's helping Minnesota win right now. Uh that's all really I gotta say. It's it's probably I think he's got one of the best potential to be. He's already I think top five, but I think he's still not uh, yet to really break out. I'm gonna go with Blake Griffin. I just really enjoyed his Kia commercials from back in the day, um, and at this point I'm just picking straws. So yeah, I'm gonna go with Blake Griffin. <laughs> uh, Bradley Beal. I'll take another guy that can shoot, put up 20-plus points a game type of guy. and you know, it gets, I, I think he's nets to be traded. 
there there is just so much habit going on with the Wizards that as much as you don't want to trade a Bradley Beal, you are in a complete rebuild at the end of the day. And I really kind of for the idea if Washington just says, screw it next season, trades away Bradley Beals, tries to get some draft pits out of it, uh, and just says, you know, next year's a throwaway. John Wall's not going to be there for a full year. We can get a top pick in the draft. We can come away with one of the top pits in the last year's draft. And I think that could be the right move to make. I'm going to go with Kyle Lowry for the next one. Um, You know, to me, he was on the cusp of making the All-Star team. I don't think I'm a fan of his being on the All-Star team. Um, but you got to give him credit. I mean, he loses a player like DeMar DeRozan, a guy who's had he's had extreme chemistry with. Um, but to go and get a guy like Kawhi Leonard now, as talented as Leonard is and as talented as Lowry is, it's really hard to develop new chemistry with a player, especially when he had a really close bond um, with DeRozan. Give Lowry a ton of credit. He's still a great leader over there in Toronto, and I feel like he's doing the best he can with developing this new chemistry uh, with his team. So I love the fact that I didn't have a single center uh, and three out of my last four pits are going to be that. I'll take the last guy available in LaMarcus Aldridge as, you know, to close it out, just consistency he'll do for San Antonio. And like I said, I need some big men. So why not? It's the perfect fit. I'm glad you got, uh, you let me get away with that. I mean, we still got two. Um, that is true. We do have two more players. That gives me one more chance to get another big man. Uh, so the veteran pits between Dwayne Wade and Dirk Nowitzki. And your thoughts about having this as a possibility? You know, I don't like it. Um, in all honesty, I feel like it's it's really... It, it's one of those things where... Why do we add these guys on the roster? I mean, I get it. It's their last go-around. But these are spots that could have been... And I've been lobbying for expanded rosters in All-Star games because I feel like we get too far... Too many times do we get snubs in the All-Star game. And I could have thought of a lot of other guys that could have deserved a spot like Luka Doncic or, you know, there's just there's just plenty of other candidates Tobias we could have Harris. put. Tobias Harris. You know, plenty of other people we could have put. You could even argue uh, Derek Rose in this spot. Um, I know you love that one. I will uh, argue that one. <laughs> but... But the thing is, though, is that, like, I get it. I love Dwayne Wade. I love Dirk Nowitzki. I think it's cool that you're going to have him there. But I think we could have honored them in a different way than adding them to the roster. I mean, it doesn't bother me, but these guys haven't played like All-Stars. Why are they on the All-Star team? Uh, you know, I, I'm going to be the one to defend this, surprisingly. Uh, you know, this, remind, <laughs> this reminds me of when Jeff Saturday... Uh, center for the Indianapolis Colts and Packers for a long time retired. He made it to the final Pro Bowl of his career. What did he do one play? He went as an NFC player to the AFC team and took a center snap for Peyton Manning, the guy he'd been doing that for years. Uh, You think of all the times for the MLB we see guys get in uh, because of the fact that it's their final year when they're making that entire round debut. That doesn't mean they're having a great year. Uh, Chipper Jones, I think, was a great example. He made an all-star game uh, his final year, and he was, you know, towards the end of it. We, we give that ceremony ending to players. Mariano Rivera had it. You know, obviously he was going to get in. 
even on his final year. But what did they do in City Field? He comes in in the eighth inning to make sure he's in the game no matter what. Uh, so there are those moments. I, I think it's a great move uh, for Dirk Nowitzki. You know, I really don't know about Dwayne Wade. He, there was that question mark of is he going to be on a team or not. Um, I think Dwayne Wade was a byproduct of the luckiness of of Dirk Nowitzki because I don't know if this happens if both of them aren't there. Uh, but I think there are other ways they could have done it. Uh, Dirk, I think especially, there's no insult on Dwayne Wade being on it, but I don't know if this is Dwayne Wade's last year or not. If it isn't, then I think this was a little bit of a miss because you could have had Dirk Nowitzki on it. And like you but said, we don't even know if this is Dirk's last year. No, this is Dirk's last year. He's 20. We don't know that, though. He didn't announce it. Then he, what? Every year we need to have these two back just in case it's their last no, year? No, no. And if you're going to do this, then you should bring Vince Carter, too. That would be an interesting one, but we don't know when Vin- Vince Carter's never retiring. Oh, excuse me. I didn't get that memo. How many years has he been like playing and we think, oh, this has got to be his last year? Or it's like, he's still here? <laughs> I think it's the same as Tim Duncan. You know, Tim Duncan didn't have that part of, like, what, he just walked away. And I think Dirk Nowitzki is the same type of player like Tim Duncan, where it's like, okay, we know this could be Tim Duncan's last year. We know this could be Dirk's last year. He hasn't said anything about it, but he hasn't said anything to deny it. Um, but if I don't think anyone's going to be shot when Dirk retires. So, I, you know, I'm for it. With that, though, who are you putting on your team? I am taking Dirk Nowitzki only because I'm hoping he brings Luka Doncic and I can replace him at the last second. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I'll take Dirk. I need uh, – I've taken four guards with my last five picks so I can use some height there and uh, a little bit of a backup center um, to Embiid and to uh, Joe Kicking Davis. So I'm going to roll with Dirk on this one. All right, so that leaves me with Dwayne Wade as my last pitch. Uh, works out pretty well, considering I had the flip side of you taking a lot of centers at the end, uh, which leaves us with our two teams, and which would give... Do you, do you have yours written down as well, or no? I do. All right, so we'll have each other say their own teams, uh, but I'll... So I get to hear you pronounce a list of names? Oh, this is going to be good. Oh, yes. I'm only sticking with whatever I can try with. Uh, So LeBron, Durant, Curry, George, Paul George, and Kemba Walker are my starters. I got Wade as that veteran pick. And then on the bench for me is Troy Thompson, Ben Simmons, Chris Middleton, Nicola, Carl Anthony Towns. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't try. Not trying. Um and Taunton Towns, Bradley Beal, and LaMarcus Aldridge. I like it. And, and for me, although it would lose against my team, um, <laughs> for me, I have Giannis Tentacumpo, James Harden, Kawhi Leonard, Joel Embiid, and Kyrie Irving as my starting five. My veteran pick, because I was forced to, is Dirk Nowitzki. And my reserves are Nikola Jokic, Anthony Davis, Damian Lillard, Russell Westbrook, D'Angelo Russell, Blake Griffin and Kyle Lowry and Nick. Um, I believe we will be posting these on Facebook and Twitter. You guys can feel free to comment on who you think has the better team or who would win if these two teams squared off. 
And also, you know, it may not be the official team yet. I may still try to get Jokic on my team and give up most of my squad to get it. Um, I'll start in the handicap with uh, doing tip, uh, tip off in a sits on four if trading Kemba Walker. Uh, quickly called timeout and get a fifth man on the court. But uh, yeah, so anyone's on the table for Jokic. Well, you know I have a you know I'm a big sweet tooth, so throw in a couple of Kit Kats and some Cheetos, and we might have a deal in place. Certainly a possibility. Uh, with that though, we have to go into our dude and dunce of the week and beard back. Uh, so we'll start with going back in sports history, and you know what the big thing that stood out today? All star games for the NBA. There have been a ton of them. Uh, 2001. 1996, the list goes on 1990, the the second All-Star game ever uh, was also today, so, you know, it's fitting, we're talking about the NBA All-Star game when it's been a common day, and and um, my only other one I could find that I thought was interesting was in 1966, San Francisco Giant Willie Mays signed highest contract of 130000 per year. Imagine what he would have been making if he was playing nowadays. Hmm. Nothing, because Bryce Harper and Manny Machado also aren't signed. But with that, let's go into our dude and dunce of the week. And I got to pick Paul George as my dude of the week. I'm going back a few days in the NBA when... The Rockets were playing the Thunder. Uh, the Thunder won 117 to 112. They had to come back as much as I think is 27 in this game. They were getting blown out in the first half badly. They won by five. Paul George had 45 points in the game, and it's the first time James Harden has scored 40 points or more in the game and was outscored by an opposing player. So. Paul George is my guy for that. Uh, he's just not getting enough love when it comes to MVP. But with a dude of the week, we have to have a dunce of the week. And Jose, who is taking the dunce of the week? Well, the dunce of the week goes to the shredder from MLB Network. If, if, for those of you who are not familiar or don't watch the MLB Network, every offseason they do a top 10 center fielders list. Top 10 you know, right field. They basically do a top 10 for each position in which they ask Brian Kenny, they ask a uh, MLB analyst who usually is a former player, and then they ask the Shredder, which is a computer-based system who basically takes in the account for the last three seasons and spits out its own list. I'm sorry, but the Shredder has been wildly off on who is the top 10 players um, throughout almost every other position. Um, the Shredder needs to go fix itself. I don't know what's wrong with it. It's on crack. It's doing something because it is not the right list that spits out and stuff like that. And don't even get me started on Brian Kenny's list because, man, if it wasn't for the Shredder being so far off, Brian Kenny would have been the dunce of the week. But nonetheless, the Shredder is my dunce of the week for acting weird all offseason. Well, didn't it give, like, isn't Aaron Judge ahead of, like, Mookie Betts? Or no, I, I, believe, I believe Mookie Betts came in at number one. Um, Judge but, it had, but it had Judge before guys like Christian Yelich. Um and I'm sorry. I love Aaron Judge. I, I, I'm I a Met fan, and I love Aaron Judge. I think he's a good kid, good, strong kid. I, I love the home runs that Judge hits. They're monumental. But he's not better than Christian Yelich. He's not better than Mookie Betts. So, I mean, 
Come on. Let's the, be the, the one Let's that go. stood out to me was I think third base. Isn't like Nolan Arenado ranked third? I believe there was one that made me honestly it made me appalled, and I think it was the relievers list. Um, well, no, Kimbrel finished first, which is you know. No, no, it wasn't Kimbrel that 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 messed it up for me. Uh, I will pull it up for you right now because I was outraged, honestly. I thought it was like Kimbrel, then Josh Hader, uh, Blake Ten, uh, Tinian, and then like Edwin Diaz. Well, the fact that Edwin Diaz is ranked fourth to me is preposterous, honestly. I think he could have been ahead of um, Blake. But Hater, it's tough to be ahead of Hater. I, I think Hater okay, is number so two. Okay, this is though. what it is. When you have Sean Doolittle at number two oh, over that's Hater, what, yeah. Diaz, Trainin, Chapman, and even the, the Shredder, this is the most wild part, they didn't have Kenley Jensen on the list. Yeah, I'm starting to do it. That's 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 no good. I'm sorry. Unplug got, yourself. At least you got number one right. Unplug yourself. And, and I wouldn't even I wouldn't even agree with Kimbrel being number one. Oh, uh, you have to. No, uh, I I would go with Hater or Diaz. Statistically, his his career as a relief pitcher is number one or number two all time in all sure. categories. Sure, uh, but I mean. I guess it does take the last three years into effect. So, I mean, Hater doesn't really have that track record just yet. Um, I think Kembro is probably one of the best closers in baseball. Um, and I always said if there's someone to beat Mariano's record, it would be him. Um, although I don't think he's on track for that anymore. But I thought wishful he was thinking. Still on he track. may be. Well, if he ever has a team, get on a team, that'd be great. That, that is a uh, you know a little bit of a downfall. <laughs> no That's a little bit of an issue. You can't get saves if you're not on the team, Nick. That, that, that is one of the challenges. It, it's one challenge if, you know, your team sucks. It's another challenge if you're not on a team. But Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to look it up right now, see what his saves are. He had 42 this year. Yeah, no, it was a lot for a Boston team that was surprisingly one of the higher offenses in the leagues. You wouldn't think that the, the Red Sox had a lot of save chances. While you do that, Nick, I'll go ahead and give my closing thoughts, though. Um, there's a UFC event on ESPN this coming Saturday, or I believe, I'm sorry, it's on Sunday, the, uh, the 17th. Cain Velasquez makes his long-awaited return to the Octagon. Cain Velasquez has not been seen for a very, very long time, due a lot of back injuries and a lot of injuries in general. He takes on a number three-ranked heavyweight, Francis Ngannou, a very tough test for him to come back from. And honestly, we have a week left until weigh-in, so... Fingers crossed nothing happens to Cain Velasquez. It's just going to be good to see him back in the octagon after so many injuries for the former heavyweight champion. I'm just about there, so it's perfect timing. Uh, 333 career saves. Nine how years. old is he? Nine years. He's 30, he was 30 years old, so birthday uh, May. So pretty much going into this year, he'll be 31 uh, when... 2019 starts or midway through yeah i mean so i mean hey he's halfway if, there if he can play nine more years he definitely has a shot and if he could get on a boston team again that or just a team a, a team would be nice also important out of all out of all out of all the free agents that are out there i feel like i think machado and harper are being a little bit too greedy i think Kimberly needs to be on the team the the fact that boston is going I, I don't even really know who their closer is right now. Oh, right now it's predicted to be Matt Barnes. That's it, yeah. 
wow. That 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 should sum it up right there. It's one thing if you didn't want Trey Trimble. And it's like, okay, I don't want Trey Trimble. We'll we'll go a different option. Alright, that's fine. Uh how about Jerry's familiar? No. He signed already. There, there, there's so many closing options that were available. And Trey Timble is still... Andrew Miller, for the longest time, who's been in, like, how many different AL East teams? Honestly, was to, a free me, to me, what's insulting is that... Cody Allen signed? Well, well that, that even surprised me because he only signed for a one-year deal. But what to me, what's insulting, and this is no disrespect to Nathan Avaldi, is that the Red Sox basically broke the bank trying to keep Nathan Avaldi, but will not go out there and sign Craig Kimbrell. And you need someone to hit the ninth inning. But also to me, Kimbrell was a very integral. I mean, how bad was that Boston bullpen all year long? Oh, with, where would they uh, be without Kimbrell? outside of Kimbrell? There was no one reliable. So where would they be without him? And I know he had a bad postseason. But what can you expect when the guy was carrying the entire bullpen on his shoulders all year long? And a lot of times in in a, the playoffs lately, we're seeing offense really dominate. Surprisingly so, we see offense dominate. So I would give him a, a little bit of a pass. I, th- there was, what, nobody last World Series between the Dodgers and the Astros? W- what pitcher did good? Only Justin, <laughs> only Justin Verlander did good in that one. It last uh, postseason against the uh, Red Sox and Dodgers, I mean, barely any starter had put up good numbers, and I mean, they're they're and the Red Sox still dominated. So I I don't get it. Uh, Craig Campbell should be with the team. Uh, any contending team that needs relief pitching should. Uh, the Atlanta Braves are another team that should be looking to go after relief pitching. So. There's so many different options available. And with that, thank you so much for listening to Sarasso and the Beard Podcast, Episode 40. Once again, I'm Nick Sarasso. And I'm the Talking Beard, Jose Rivera. And enjoy the All-Star Dame as it's coming up. To all the couples out there that listen to our podcast, happy Valentine's Day, as that's this Thursday. Uh, And basically, that is it on the final thoughts. And just... Russell Westbrook shouldn't be in in the NBA All-Star Game. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to Saras and the Beard Podcast, Episode 40.